All right, here we are back again for another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is number 32, technically one for season two, but we're going to call it 32. Uh, I am your humble host, Mr. Cody Beekman. Along with me is Ross Shut the Door Mormeyer. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? And I'm also joined by Daniel not so Fleety Beatty. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And we've got a slice of Para Bryce McMillan. How's it going, guys? How's everyone doing today? And today we have such an incredible guest on, uh, the tw- a 20-year vet of the Denver Post, Avalanche beat writer, Mr. Mike Chambers. Mike, thank you so much for being on. What's going on with you, buddy? Hey, guys. Hey, Cody. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for joining us, man. Uh, we- we've got an awesome show uh, starting and so we're just going to get right into it with a little bit of hockey day in history. Uh, who wants to go first, boys? Uh, let's. I'm looking at Ross right now. Let's go with Ross. Right in betwixt my eyes. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Toronto Maple Leafs rookie Lanny McDonald. Scored his first goal in his NHL career. Um, yeah, it came with the Maple Toronto Maple Leafs uh, 5-3 win over Montreal. Beautiful, and you know Lanny McDonald, the best mustache in the biz, baby. Oh yeah, well, and that came in nineteen seventy three, October seventeenth. Beautiful. All right, Daniel, what you got? I've got a great one. Uh, this one's so juicy. It's also Maple Leafs related. Oh, there you go. Um, so we're going back to nineteen seventy two, and this is on October twentieth, and that's when team president Harold Ballard was sentenced to two consecutive three-year terms for theft and fraud of money goods and services stolen from maple leaf gardens ballard was released on parole he was an owner of the maple leafs and he was (laughs) convicted of fraud and he was just known for being just a ruthless guy that turned these leafs into like a laughing stock uh in those 70s and like he he got fined for weird things like when the league put down that you needed to put names on the back of jerseys he didn't agree with it until they find him every day and he finally relented but then he put the names on the back the same color as the jersey so you couldn't see it just to be stubborn oh my and god he used to like uh he he built his own apartment inside maple leaf gardens so that he could stay there and embezzle money from the team at the same time it, he, he, Sounds like a really stand-up was dude really there, weird. Daniel. Like he <laughs> sold tickets to the Beatles playing a show at Maple Leaf Gardens, but then told the Beatles, oh, I just told you you're playing for a day, not that you didn't need to do two concerts. So the manager was pissed. They threw all the um, ticket prices up. They jacked up the thermostats and only sold large drinks at the concession stand. Oh. It's, it goes on and on. The guy was kind of crazy, but... Um, yeah, that clearly was an interesting time in Maple Leafs history. I should say so. <laughs> All right, Bryce, what you got, bud? Uh, for me, I had Kirk McLean became the first goaltender to appear in 400 games in a Canucks uniform. And Vancouver ties 7-7, seven to seven, but ended up actually losing later in a game to Los Angeles. I think you just won over Daniel's heart with that Kirk McLean yeah. note, by the way. I know, he's a big Vancouver fan. Oh, yeah. All right, well, uh, for mine, I got October 15th, 1986. Uh, Edmonton's Esa recorded his first NHL hat-trick, and Wayne Gretzky picked up five assists to lead the Oilers to a 5-2 win over the Quebec Nordiques. Nice. And who who popped that beer? 
I want one. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> cheers to that. That's yeah. Daniel right there. Oh man. So it's it it's this day in history, right? Oh yeah. Okay, this day in history, uh, October twelfth, twenty twenty. Vegas trades Nate Schmidt to the Vancouver Canucks for a third round draft pick in twenty. 20- it just happened. Finally, <laughs> we got a defenseman. Happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mike, I think you just won Daniel's heart uh, as well. I think. Uh, he looks elated right now. Oh, Nate Schmidt. Well, we were going 0 for 4, basically, on RFAs and UFAs in the free agency period right now. We lost to Foley to Montreal, Stetcher to Detroit. We just were going 0 0 across the board. So, finally, someone. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially because all the rumors were like uh, buried, uh, buried to Vancouver, buried to Vancouver until he signed in Edmonton. Mike, do you think this is a good fit for Vancouver? Well, I don't know. Vegas just did it uh, for cap relief, but yeah, I, I think. I mean that Schmidt's a good player, and obviously with with um, what's his face forty three. I can't think of his Tanner. name right now, but uh, oh, oh, Quinn Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Sorry, Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I th- I think it's a great move for Vancouver. I mean, as I said, Schmidt's a good player, and Vegas is relieved because they got some cap relief here. Well, yeah, which actually leads us into a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. Like, I mean, we've gotten we got draft and free agent frenzy. So, I mean, we've we've got some big parts moving, and uh, so let's talk about them a little bit. I mean, obviously, one of the big ones is uh, Lundqvist signing in uh, Washington. Well, I never saw that. <laughs> I never saw that coming. Any uh, like anybody got a little like reaction? Like I, I'm just gonna be so I'm gonna be so shocked when I first see him come out in Caps jersey, and that's gonna be huge. Like, do you, do you think he's gonna get uh, more time uh, more time on the ice, or uh, do you think he's really more just like a uh, Samsonov will be like a Padawan kind of like thing, like a learned underneath a Lundqvist? I mean, that's that's the that's the role he should be playing probably at this stage of his career. Uh, plus, what's great about it is Lundqvist said he wanted to go and win, and Washington is a competitive team, and he probably had a better chance even as a number two in Washington than he did with the depth that they had in the New York Rangers system right now. Well, I mean, yeah, they kind of. I... I think they even took three goalies into the bubble, so um, this makes more sense for Lundqvist, and you know it is also, you know, Holtby then goes to Vancouver. Yeah, and which, it's like Ryan Ryan Miller 2.0 yeah. kind of situation where, you know, I heard when he signed in Vancouver, one of the first things he did was ask for Demko's phone number to kind of be that mentor role. He's on a two-year deal. I love the deal because it's uh, heavy loaded on the second year. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a prove me for Holtby. He had a really crappy year last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Demko did great, but for, like, only a few games in the playoffs. So it's going to be a two-goalie year next year. Uh, I like the Holtby situation there, too, for cap reasons. Like, it exposes him in the expansion draft, um, but it's a lot of money for the team to take on, so they probably won't take him. But if they do, we got Demko protected, so that's good. Yeah. And... um We'll see how it plays out, but it's an interesting musical chairs. The goalie situation in free agency has been all over the place. Well, even with Matt Murray going to Ottawa as well. On an insane deal. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, yeah. 
And then another one, another one I really want to talk about is Tory Crew going to St. Louis for I a, never saw a that. seven-year deal. Oh yeah, that's huge. And uh, the one thing I don't like about it is that it looks like the Avalanche are going to have to be playing him like what four or five times this year. Easily, God, that's going to be fun. But do do, do you like Marshawn's uh, send off to him on uh, social media? I don't now think I'm I saw go- it. Now I'm going to be the only guy, the small guy on the on the Bruins, basically. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. <you laughs> Wish know, the best of luck to you, the Bruins. Bun. <laughs> some people would say it's good that uh, Marshawn feels so lonely and dejected. <laughs> I mean, some people. Let's just put it that way. No, it is. I mean, I, I really do feel like that Marshawn does have a very punchable face as well. Very punchable face. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give him that. Uh, but, I mean, hey, kid, kid can jam. So uh, one more that I would like to say, like just to shed light on before we get into the rest of the show here is Alex Petrangelo signing in Vegas, which. Oh, that happened. That just happened. Yeah. So uh, that's okay. exactly. That's probably that's why, why Schmidt. That's why you get uh, your Vancouver Canucks got that Nate Schmidt. That's going to be huge for them. Boys, I got something for you. Beaks. Oh, bring it on, Mike. I got something for you. Hang on. All right. Oh, yes. nice. There, we go. Yes, there it is. There oh, perfect. Perfect. Out of time. Pop one. Pop one. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's the best segue into uh, the next portion of this uh, show. Let's talk Mike Chambers. Like I said, 20 year vet of the Denver Post. Talking, We're talking right about the Avs, a little bit of Pioneers. Mike. Let's get let's get down to brass tacks, man. Uh, how did you first start start getting into you know like journalism and and you know when did it really kind of like dawn on you that you this is the kind of thing you want to do? Uh, well, um, <laughs> that was a long time ago, Beaks. But uh, it's uh, I I just it was kind of one of the only things I was good at in school and and uh, I. I I actually I majored journalism at University of Northern Colorado and and I was more interested in TV and radio um but I was a good writer too and and then uh got a real job uh out of college at a uh, PR firm I was the media specialist and I just wrote a lot and uh uh and then I was like geez if I enjoy writing business stuff imagine if uh sports and uh so I just, I went for it. I quit my job and I said, I'm going to be a sports writer. There I am. Wow. And so how'd you get hooked up with the, like uh, the Denver post, man? Was it, uh, were you trying to get, were you like fighting at the bit or what? Um, well, back then the, obviously the business was a lot different. Um, but, uh, it, it was a two newspaper town and with big, huge staffs and, newsrooms were giant and um and everybody needed uh freelance writers to help them out with prep sports so oh yeah i cut my teeth in prep football basically and then did prep this and prep that and then uh there was an opening uh for the du pioneers beat in 1995 right when the avalanche came here and uh, i write about the du hockey team and then i was also the third or fourth guy in the Avs, and that that was way back in 1995, and then been part of the Avalanche coverage since. See, and and then 
you know, I'm kind of jealous because there, there's, there was once a time where I wanted to become, uh, you know, get into journalism, and you, you really came around like right in the Avs heyday. Like, can you tell us about kind of like covering, you know, not only one Stanley Cup but two Stanley Cups at the same time? It's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything back then, people got their information from the newspapers and obviously the uh, news stations as well, but being a sports writer was very, very prestigious. I wouldn't say that it's as prestigious now because there's so many people, bloggers out there that think that they can break news and do my job, which um, the truth (laughs) is, is they can't. You you have to have (laughs) connections. You you have to know a lot of people. You have to treat people the right way. Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's a long process and it's hard to do, but you have to be a good person. Otherwise you're not going to get these contacts. And obviously you have to be a great writer. And there's, uh, a lot of younger people out there that I think, uh, think that they can do the job that I do, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that you really have to work at hard. And again, you got to be a good person, otherwise you're never going to get the contacts. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, if you're trying to be uh, like, you know, a kind of kind of an a hole out there, like nobody's going to want to talk to you. No one's. And I mean, yeah, like one thing that I learned, like kind of uh, going through the classes through journalism, is that you know you got to be able to uh, like talk to people. You got, like you're not getting people aren't just going to hand you these uh just like these ideals or or people to talk to on a plate just because you're like hey well i'm from i'm from blah 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 and i'm writing an article and you kind of act like a uh you know um uh you know an egomaniac about it no one's gonna be like no one's gonna be giving you the leads exactly and mike you kind of take me as a guy that um always almost assume that you're gonna hear the word no a lot and you have to get past that and be able to ask the right questions and not be afraid to, you know, ask for a favor or a question or an interview sometimes. Um, just tell us about, you know, one of your favorite interviews, one of your first interviews, um, and how how did that kind of, you know, take off and build your career? What are the you know, most right, best memories for you? Yeah. Oh, I got a couple good ones for you. Oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> I was a young, early 20s, I think, uh, when the Avalanche first came here and had uh our first year uh it, it might have been the second year i'm not sure but uh mario lemieux of the pittsburgh penguins was was uh on the road for the first time since he was cleared his cancer oh, from hodgkin's lymphoma right so so he was only playing home games until then but denver marked his first road game and uh, i don't know how long and uh, they sent me out there, there to do a sidebar, and Mario was great, but uh, Yammer Yager ended up having a really good game. They told me to do a sidebar on Yager. Back then, he had the big, he had the big mullet going, right? Oh yes, yes. The big, oh yes, the check flow, yes. So uh, I walk into the Pittsburgh's locker room at, at McNichol Sports Arena. And uh, I walk right up to him, and those were back in the days to where the guys changed in one room. So they had their gear on. They would take their gear off in the same room and shower and then put their 
uh, street clothes on. Yeah. And um, so you kind of had more access because they weren't, you know, racing out to another room. Um, and he comes out of the shower and I walk up to him and I'm like, excuse me, do you have a minute? And he goes, no, I, I don't speak English, man. <laughs> In pretty pretty good English. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, dude, I I gotta write the story. You gotta talk to me. And, and you no, know, I was too young to actually put my foot down and say, well, bad buddy, you're talking. Yeah. Anyhow, he 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 goes over and gets dressed. He 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 uh, puts his street clothes on, and he has a conversation in pretty good English with the Pittsburgh beat writer. And I'm just sitting there going, what an ass, man. Uh. <laughs> he just told me to basically F off when I'm just trying to do my job. So, yeah, I've never, ever, ever been a big Yager fan, even to this day. Oh, wow. No, he, he he's actually a beauty. I mean, I think he was playing in Florida at the time, and he slept with a girl, and then the girl tried to blackmail him. So yeah. Saying, you know, Go ahead, post I'm gonna it. Talk all about this. I'm going to send pictures, and you're just like, going, I don't care. Do it. I'm Yager. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I enjoy that part of him, but, but uh, yeah, I, I'm still not a fan. But the best uh, story, I guess, as a reporter was uh, covered the Grand Prix at Denver in the summers, and. Uh, Paul Newman was uh, my dad's hero actor. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a big-time actor growing up, and he was, uh, you know, my dad loved him, I loved him, and, and, and here I am all of a sudden, I'm in the same business, and he's got a race team, Newman Haas, and he's got two or three drivers. And they sent me uh, before, I think it was the first Grand Prix of Denver, uh, around the Pepsi Center, that they sent me to a track in uh, Ohio, and uh, I got a one-on-one -on -one interview in Paul Newman's uh, transport. His, 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 you know, basically a motorhome. Oh, I sat yeah. down with Paul Newman in his motorhome, and I was interviewing him, and it just blew my freaking mind. I just could not believe it. So, that's probably the biggest interview I've ever done, and I'll never forget it. Oh, I, I, you know what? I can't blame you right there. And I bet that that little, uh, that probably mansion on wheels was just so lavish. Yeah, I heard that beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it it, uh, it reminded me a lot of my dad, and so it was a good memory uh, on both fronts. Oh yeah, that's that's really cool. And Paul Newman, slab shot, anyone? Oh yeah, definitely. There uh, you go. That is huge. He actually, uh, Paul Newman came out and said that uh, the the most fun he's ever had on a movie set was Slapshot. Uh, I mean, I, I. How could you not? How could you not? Yeah, that's awesome to hear. But I'm not surprised. I mean, especially with uh, the Hanson brothers, if you want to just uh, call them that right now. That's see, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so uh, and I mean, you've you've had a chance to uh, interview a numerous amount of hockey players you told us the one that you didn't like who's who's the guy that uh you probably had the most fun with i mean uh obviously being on the beat uh, a lot of abs players you think uh you could narrow down one that's like either the funniest or probably the most entertaining guy 
I got a couple for you, Beaks. Uh, I love it. Ian LaPerriere. Ian oh. LaPerriere. Oh. oh, good old Lappy. Yeah. We got Lappy. What a beauty he here. was. Uh, he was always uh, so happy to talk to any media around, uh, joking, uh, just a great guy. He, he'd tell you stuff. He'd talk a lot off the record, and he trusted you. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, I was just thinking of this guy today because he's on NHL Network, uh, Shane, Shane O'Brien. Oh, of course. I know Shane O'Brien. He was the Canuck for a long time. Oh, yeah. I, I had a burger with him in Vancouver one time, actually. He's a stand-up dude. Great guy. Uh, I once wrote a story uh, about him in the Denver Post, and it was about what it means to be a beauty in hockey. Like, when you're called a beauty in hockey, what does that mean? Mm. And uh, Kyle Quincy talking about what a beauty is, and obviously it's got to do with you got to be really funny. you got to joke a lot. you you got to be a really good hockey player and a tough one. You got to be good with the ladies. So, so you, you you just go through this gamut of what it takes to be a beauty, and that like was Shane man. O'Brien. So he was, yeah, he was a lot of fun. It's like, it sounds like a Mike Ricci almost. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh Mike Ricci was a total beauty. You gotta you gotta admit that, like hands down. I mean, kid looked like a wet rat out on the ice, but man, could he pull it with the women? I tell you what. I mean, even yeah. even back back when I was a kid, I would hear that and like I was like, ooh, I don't really care about that. I just care about the hockey. <laughs> and now, now when I'm you know like thirty years uh, in uh, thirty years getting longer in the teeth, I'm like, yeah, he's a beauty. <laughs> That's awesome. I, so yeah, uh, we'll have to. I'm gonna have to read that article. That just sounds incredible, man. Because uh, I mean, that was a long time ago. That was almost like oh, jeez. Uh, Oh, uh, 08, maybe 09? Yeah. I'll Google it right now, man. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> See, the thing I like about those players, though, like Shane O'Brien or an- another beauty to me is like a Ryan Whitney type player. Like yeah. he's got the the chirping ability. They know that part of their game and being a good teammate is being a good personality on the team besides just – their skill level and they can break that tension and know the right thing to say to get a laugh when the team needs it. And yeah. you could probably say this about Bieksa because he always pranked his teammates out in Anaheim and stuff being like door security and stuff. And like, yeah, no, they had all sorts of stuff and he was always just, yeah, the guy you could depend on, on the ice. Ryan too. Kessler did that for Anaheim too. He as did. Well, right? Yes. No, those are two and they keep on it. They just keep on going. And mm-hmm. having another one with them, and it's always great. Cause... I like that. That's definitely a, a player. Like, we got the role players, but we got the beauties. We got the beauties. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, that's important. I remember, uh, uh, well, Tane O'Brien played Colorado 2011 12, and then 12 13, only 28 games. And I remember oh, wow. I, I, it was either the beauty story or another story. I remember him saying, Thanks for what you've done because he just, he, he signed a $2 million extension. I'm not sure if it was a one-year deal or not, but he actually thanked me for writing that story. And he thought that it helped him get that extension. And I was like, well, you want to share some of that? <laughs> <laughs> How about you send that to your, your folks and stuff, you know, like get a little buzz about it. Yeah. <laughs> No, but there was a fancy hotel he had in downtown. Uh, he rented out the penthouse. Uh, 
is it the Four Seasons or something? But that was his home here in Denver at the penthouse. So you just knew that he was like the favorite teammate that, you know, the boys are are, are having a party. We're going over to OB's house. Yeah. <laughs> I had such a great time, like just shooting the breeze with him when I got to yeah. meet him in Kitsilano in Vancouver one day. And everyone around him was having such a great time too. And he was really nice to anyone including myself that was one of those people that came up to him and was like hey man like how's it going i hope you're enjoying your summer and uh he was like yeah you want to have a burger with us i was like hell yeah i do so and uh, that's what i think was so cool about the actual article you wrote i mean uh, uh, honestly i mean i'm a huge avs guy a lot of a lot of people i know are huge avs guys you know we just we know we knew shane o'brien for what he was on the team it seemed almost like Maybe that those last couple of years, you know, he was just like a placeholder in some sense. But it's always really good to actually hear about how what he what what kind of guy he really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, you know the the charisma and the character that comes behind it. Because you know, if let's let's face it, in hockey these days, you know, you really only get to learn about like the big the the big go getters, the all stars, you know, or just you know the huge household names. And unfortunately, some of these smaller guys that may not have that kind of role on a team actually, you know, get some get some exposure in in, in such positive ways too, which is really cool. I think. Yeah, I right, agree. I, I, I I did some research here, boys. Um, at the end of his first year with Colorado, Shane Bryant signed a three-year, $6 million deal. So it paid him $2 million for three seasons. During those three seasons, Avalanche trade him, and he mostly played in the AHL. He was making $2 million as a minor leaguer. FYI. <laughs> that, that's crazy right there, dude. I'll tell you Clearly, what. your writing has very big power. <laughs> You've got the golden pen here, Mike. I'll tell you what. Man. Let's uh, let's get uh, your kind of like uh, outlook on you know the early exit. What do you think went wrong there? Yeah. Well, I didn't think it was that early. Obviously, it was in the second round, in Game Seven. But uh, yeah. you know, injuries in the power play, I, I I completely blame on that. And I think anybody who really studied it you you, i think that's where it takes you is oh the injuries were massive and the pk was bad and i think part of that is because you had eric johnson and matt calvert not playing Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the power play that top unit although that top unit was healthy it just didn't click against dallas and who knew why but yeah i think just injuries and and special teams just like doomed them in that Dallas series. But, you know, I think Colorado was definitely the better team if, if they had one were healthy and two were a lot better on the special teams. And that's it. Uh, well, that's a huge thing too. I mean, um, you know, Anton Kudobin playing lights out, that's not good for us yeah. at all. No, we ran into a Yaroslav Halak of the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. I didn't. I could not believe how he, how well he was doing this whole entire series. I wanted someone to give Dobby a sock so he'd leave the bubble <laughs> and be free. You know, like I think killer we're Harry all Potter that. reference yeah. there, but I think we'd just want to do that at about six, the game six or seven. That that would have been nice to do. All right. So now moving on, we've got we've got the draft. Um, 
can you give us a little bit of a scouting report on uh, uh on our twenty fifth pick, uh, just uh, Justin Barron, correct? Yeah, this is a guy the Av Sackick and uh, Alan Hemp, director of amateur scouting, both thought that uh, he was going to be possibly a lottery pick or, um, you know, in the teens somewhere, and they were really happy that uh, he fell to twenty fifth. Uh, he's not really a uh, uh, a puck move. He's not a camel car, but who is? Um, right. He's just a over, overall really solid, uh, a defenseman and juniors who they project to be a very good NHL player. Or I mean, you got a, a very good professional. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, but uh, well, I mean, you got like what is he six two one ninety five at eighteen years old. That kid's going to be a monster once he gets his, uh, you know, in it, uh, like man body. Nice hockey body going for him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, with with the, uh, uh, you know, drafting Kale McCarr and Bo and Byram, you know, and then locking down Girard for that long, you've got basically your your goal-scoring defenseman locked up. And I think it, I, I think it was pretty smart to get a, you know, like a bigger, a bigger kind of defenseman in the draft to almost compliment them in my eyes at least and they re-signed graves yes that that also happened too so i mean uh so who like uh moving on uh let's go to free agency here mike what do you think well what do you like what they've been doing in the free agency breakdown cody they they actually really haven't done much in free agency in terms of the big club because they've most of their deals have been Minor leaguers, but but they've made these these two trades, obviously with uh, Zadorov going to Chicago for Brandon Saad, who completes their top six, uh, and then obviously the big one, another big one today with Devon uh, Taves coming over for two second round but draft picks in 2021 and 22. Uh, oh, I I think. I think Taves is, is is a really good addition, although he is unsigned. He's an RFA. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good player who quarterback the Islanders' power play last year. Oh yeah, he's a very cap- he's a very capable guy, and it just it just further proves that the Avs are such a north south team, and that's how they want to play. They are willing to go with a smaller north south guy like Taves instead of a shutdown guy like. Zadorov, and, and I, I thought that they were going to move Zadorov uh, the entire time because he, he, he's just he's madly inconsistent, and I know how Jared Bednar thinks of him. So I expected him to get uh, moved, and I think uh, for him to get moved and Brandon Saad coming the other way, I think the additions of Saad and Taves. I agree with that, but in addition to not just the power play, I think the the Avalanche had issues with overtime play. Um, I think you know, especially with having Sod in there, uh, you're gonna give yourselves a lot more opportunities to have to give yourselves more I band rushes to be able to work the puck down low with Sod. He's a player that fits with the Avalanche system really well. Yeah. Uh, I think <clears throat> he complements the rest of the team that is fast enough to open up the ice. Um, plus, you know, it never hurts. We all know the, the depth of the avalanche right now is to take him to compete for the cup every year. And you just signed a Stanley cup champion, two times Stanley cup champion. Uh, and so this guy knows he's got that grit 
and that's important because the Avalanche didn't have a lot of players last year or even this year that had like a ton of playoff depth or championship pedigree. Uh, and I just think of what the Avalanche need to do in this offseason as more like they got a couple more years with the, the big guys not needing new contracts. Let's work on the depth here. Yep. Let's fill out when someone goes down so that we don't have a repeat of what just happened where we have an Eric Johnson or a Matt Calvert go out and we don't have somebody else that can fill in there. Because it's been two game sevens and you see you see that happen. Was it three now in a row? Three game seven exits? Um, and so it's a two or three? Two or three. I mean, at it's, the end it's, of it- it's actually it's actually four since uh Oh I believe two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, I wrote that, that and I and it might be five. Uh, right. it, it it's it started when Patrick Wall and and the Avs lost seven nothing at Detroit in Game Seven. I think that was two thousand two. Okay. Um, but then they've they've also lost uh, th- three or four other Game Sevens since. Obviously, if you remember two thousand thirteen, mm-hmm. the Minnesota Wild uh, here at the Pepsi Center. Yeah. And then uh, obviously last year against the Sharks in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Now going forward, Mike, uh, what do you what would you like to see happen to the uh, the Colorado Avalanche roster? Do you see anything they can actually work on, or maybe uh, while this free agency is still going, maybe uh, add to, or uh, what what like what, what's your thoughts on maybe adding or uh, subtracting something? Yeah, well, they need to sign Taves, obviously, but uh, in terms of free agency, I think that they need to get like a Matt Martin in here, a, a, a fourth line grinder kind of guy who's going to, uh, you know, help the team into the fight. Uh, I, I don't think that they have that guy. I think that they aren't resigning Gato on that fourth line because he's not that guy. And I think that, you know, they basically need a, a Corey Perry, but not Corey Perry because of his age. Um, someone who's closer to 30 who can really, you know, it's just a tough, a, t- a really tough depth forward, like a uh, Patrick Maroon or something. I, I, I just think that those are the kind of forwards that you got to have if you want to win the Stanley Cup. You know, I agree that. I mean, look at that. I mean, uh, the all right, let's let's take it back two years. St. Louis adds Pat Maroon, wins the Stanley Cup. Tampa adds Pat Maroon, wins the Stanley Cup. Wins the Stanley Cup. I. You know what? I totally agree there. And I mean, you are kind of, like, I feel like they're kind of almost relying on uh, Nazem Kadri to be that guy. But at the same time, man, you want him, you want him on the ice scoring goals, getting in uh, the dirty, the dirty areas, not, you know, trying to, you know, right the wrongs on the ice. So I, yeah, I got, I fully got to agree with you there. What do you think about Joe Thornton? <laughs> oh, <I'm> just <laughs> yeah. He just laughs. Uh, he, this, the Avalanche, Sackick and Bednar, want to play fast, fast, fast in, in your face, north, south. Uh, no. Okay. Thornton, Thornton is is not the guy. He's just uh, too old and slow. He's the first ballot Hall, Hall of Famer. God bless him, but no. He will not play here. Yeah, it's it, to me. It would seem like you know you're kind of like strapping, you know, one of those old timey uh, 
jailhouse uh, anchor th- anchors on on everybody's uh, a ball and ankles. chain. A ball and ch- yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, which is, which is exactly what what Sackick got when he got Jerome McGinley, who was okay his first year here, but right. you know he was overturned. Uh, Brad Stewart, same thing. Uh, um, uh, Renee Bork, Sackick learned the hard way that 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 sometimes you get these mid to late 30-somethings, and, and they're just going the wrong way. This game is all about speed and skill, and, and, and you know, it, it's a young man's game now, it right, is, boys? Yeah, it, it, oh, it really is. Yep, I'd agree. And, and the goalie situation is like that, too, uh, I've noticed. And I want to take uh, a chance to what you said about Thornton being a full first ballot Hall of Famer and just ask you about what it's like to be part of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And, I heard a beer there. And and how <laughs> <laughs> caught me. Dang it, Mike. So did that like it it's I'm I'm curious how that gets bestowed upon a person and what that meant to you when that happened. Because it's uh it's an incredible honor and we're very appreciative of your voice in the vote in these things. And if you could tell us a little bit about that, I'd I'd be really curious and appreciative of that. Oh yeah. Sure. Um I used to be the Colorado chapter chair, but I did something that the national guys didn't like. And for some reason, they, they uh, took that away from me. I, I, I honestly don't know what I did, but, uh, and I, I, I tried to ask him, but you know, just to deaf ears, but um, now I'm just a, a member and I, I, I did not have voting rights last or this past season because um the previous season, I did not submit my ballot on time. And this might be why I, I got, uh, I'm not the Colorado chapter chair anymore, and that's fine. But I missed half the season because I had four eye surgeries Ooh. and I wasn't legal. Yeah. So I was on the sidelines for like two and a half months of the season. So when it came down to vote, I was, I was, uh, contemplating if I should just an absentee. I didn't know if I should vote because I had missed so much of the season. And, and, and all of a sudden I, I get super busy and then the ballots do, and I missed it. And, uh, so I didn't get to vote this past year because of that. Um, and that's just a rule that they have. And I respect that, but, uh, getting to vote on the awards is pretty cool. And now since 2018, they're all transparent. So, you know, if I'm a homer and I, I've got a McKinnon on my on on my heart ballot as number one, and then I don't have uh, Connor McDavid or or uh, Drysidel yeah. the ballot at all be, because I have to pick five guys, right? So if if I go McKinnon one and and then I leave Drysidel or McDavid off, it means that I'm a homer because uh, I'm trying to get my guy to win. So since it's become transparent, you you can't be a homer. You really have to vote from the facts, not from the heart. And as journalists, I think it's great because you got to be reminded that that you you don't have any favorites here. Like you, you, you've, you've got the ability and the privilege to vote, do it the right way and don't be a homer. So 
to answer your question, that's why I like the pH so much is it's very humbling and, and, and it's it, it's fun to vote and have such a voice in these awards, but it's also important to it's a reminder that you got to be a pro about it. You can't vote from the heart just because you cover these guys. With great power comes great responsibility. Thank you, uh, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, eh? <laughs> but uh, I, I like that transparency for the integrity reason. Uh, I know that that creates a little bit of a dynamic with voting on players that maybe are deserving but are on a West Coast team because of time zones. And, you know, you brought up you were even wrestling with the idea of should you vote if you miss half the season for eye surgery. So clearly the integrity and uh, maybe I shouldn't because I didn't stay up long enough to watch these guys play. Is that a real thing or is that just something everyone like me talks about with people? That's a great question. The East West thing. Yeah. Like, is that really a bias? Is, is that really a thing you believe in or is that just all bullshit? I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. I really don't know the honest answer I have for it, uh, other than it's out there and and people say it all the time. So so maybe it is a thing. But uh, personally, I just like great hockey, and and you know if if I want to watch a game or a, or a player play, I'm gonna stay up, or I'm gonna if it's an East Coast game, I'm watching it at five or five thirty. So I don't know. It, it, it's you know what. It may be. I mean, when the L.A. Kings are playing the San Jose Sharks and I'm in the East Coast and it starts at 1030. Yeah, it's it's not ideal, especially if I got to get up at 6 a.m. Right. Right. I really like that answer, actually. I mean, yeah, if you want to watch hockey, if you want to watch some good hockey, watch it. It's hard, though, with the lifestyle that we all want to afford. And I want to bridge into that lifestyle question now with like how with the bubble and the lockout or not lockout, just the, the pause in action. And now we've restarted and everything I'm reading says, we're going to be going to like maybe uh, a 2021 start, which would affect then the championship being awarded in like August, September. And maybe that's like the new cycle of things like, which screws everyone's golf game up i understand but at the same time what i'm wondering is like if that's the new schedule does it open up the idea that maybe it's not going to be so hard to lend players to the olympics anymore because now it's not going to mess with the nhl schedule as much like do you do you think that this shift actually benefits the league or the world cup situation like overall at all well, I think it benefits the NHL from getting away from competing with the NFL in the mm. fall. I, I, I think that's a big issue uh, in America, at least, and even in Canada, because they love their football. Mm-hmm. But, um, if the NHL starts on January 1st or even mid-January and, and then the, the cup is where the playoffs are being played in the mid-summer, and the cup is awarded in late August or September. At that time, during the Stanley Cup run, you're only competing with one other major league sport, and that's baseball. So I I, I think that there's a lot of reasons why um, the NHL might to a calendar year instead of going 
instead of starting in October as they've done for a hundred years. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, let's, let's all be honest with you here. I mean, uh, you know, baseball, it's the, uh, the really, uh, I think interest for baseball is just continuously going down the hill, you know? I mean, not to put my friend on the spot, but I ask him, like, are you watching the draft tonight? You know, Rangers got number one pick. He's like, well, but there's a Yankees game on in the playoffs. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and, and uh, you know, um, but I love the, the shift in schedule because the other thing I've always noticed is, like, the NBA and NHL have a very similar type of league. 82 games, situations, you know, same amount of rounds of playoffs. But what happens with the NBA is like the first two and a half, three rounds are almost like you can say who's going to win. And so there's so many more sweeps that go on that their finals ends up happening around the same time as the NHL finals every year. Even though the leagues are offset by a few weeks, they catch up once the playoffs start because it's not as competitive. And I always hated that because I was like, this is when players or this is when anyone like me as a baseball fan I watch it in the playoffs right and and as a non-hockey fan I would watch hockey during the playoffs but then there's LeBron James going on at the same time it's hard it's hard to grow the sport when you have that situation so what's awkward now is I love this calendar potentially changing but it also is the same situation with basketball like we they just yeah. finished as well it so is, I don't know if, if it's gonna happen if you're a fan of all but. sports if you can have at least all four your sports have championships at different times how would it how great would that be for a super fan especially here in Colorado when we're lucky to have all four major sports right Denver has more professional sports teams than any other city in the United States so and that's you know yeah that, I mean I'm, I'm we're not talking that. like multiple hockey teams we're talking all four major sports and that's pretty awesome. I mean even even everything on the on the side I mean we've got two lacrosse teams two professional lacrosse teams the NLL and the uh, the outdoor lacrosse and we also have MLS we've got it all basically and yeah I could definitely see like you know actually bridging a gap between each sports to like. Uh, to see an actual championship on uh, or at least the playoffs in different times. So I really like that point that you brought up, Daniel. That's a, that's a good point. Cause Mike, like the, the, the world cup is NHL owned, but the Olympics is not. So do you think this can benefit both at the same time? If this were a new schedule? Cause I, I like to think that this could really help hockey in general tell you the truth i really haven't thought about that um the olympics are typically winter olympics are typically in february though right yeah if that's the case if that's the case i'm not sure that the nhl is going to be willing to not play for three weeks to put that on so Mm -hmm. i think that that could actually i mean if you're going to a calendar year i think that could actually hurt them in terms of olympics and i want to see them i want to see the olympics back i think we all miss it and not having it last turn around yeah it's uh i think it really uh exposes our game to people that that aren't exactly hockey fans so i think it's really important and i want to see it come back me too i would hope in most in most players eyes just like well i i would much rather hear about 
a start date sooner rather than later because you know i want i i do want to get back on especially you know with the uh the teams that missed the playoffs completely you know they haven't played since march so i gotta i gotta kind of imagine that most guys are thinking you know um you know maybe not a not such a long off uh, you know, long break will be too bad. I just kind of want to get back on the ice. I mean, maybe that's just me being naive. You know, I know every all these guys got player uh, like all these players have you know kids, kids and, 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 and family and stuff. But I mean, you know, if I if if it was me, I'd just want to get back on the ice. But you know, but as for fans, I guess earlier the better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, it's one thing if you only play 16 games and you got to delay one a little bit for COVID. It's another if you play 82. And I think that's, you know, something NHL really can you know, pride themselves on is, you know, we were really the, one of the first sports to announce a champion during a pandemic. And we did it almost all correctly without, you know, having a whole lot of issues. I mean, immediately you saw the MLB have issues. Um, now you're seeing like the Tennessee Titans. Um, for example, NFL having issues. So it was kind of nice to see, you know, at least one bubble, at least, you know, a good or- a good sports organization like the NHL handle it, you know, pretty well. Unfortunately, though, they're saying that with the revenue that the NHL makes in comparison to some of the other and never fail leagues, for example, <laughs> um, you you just can't. It isn't sustainable to do these bubbles. Which uh, Mike? Can I add something there, boys? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I did the research and wrote on this for Sunday's ball on my do, but uh, it, it, the, the NHL can't afford to play without fans as much as these other nope no can. Um, when you talk about the television deal, the NHL is happy with their TV deal. It it it, it gives them approximately two hundred million. Annually, and that's split between the teams. Okay. But basketball, baseball, and especially football, you're talking billions. It, it, it is so much more revenue for those leagues than it is for hockey. It's unreal. Oh, so yeah. it, 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 if, the, if the NHL continues to push back their season, it's because they really don't want to play Unless they can at least get get half half the people half of a sellout in there, right? And I think so. It's a great point that you bring up, Mike, about how much more dependent on the uh, fans the NHL is compared to other yeah. leagues, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that as a solution because I think they can't do just two bubbles, but maybe they can do a few kind of like how they do spring training in baseball oh, with okay. a few different hubs. I uh, I, it'll be interesting because I think part of the reason they chose Canada was because when they had to make a decision, everyone knows with COVID, everything's unknown. So they went with a place that had the most, sorry, the least unknowns. And, right. and, and so I can see that becoming a thing for hockey. But I'm really glad you brought up that point because it shows that if we're wondering why it hasn't restart, we kind of have our answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've, I've been to the, the Florida Panthers in, in Sunrise, Florida, and you know, it's a great 
<laughs> road trip. I, 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 uh, At least I you say it's a great road trip. <laughs> I've, I've been I, to I, those I, too. I, the preseason I, against the I Carolina. I Fort Lauderdale, and I'm, uh, I make the like 35 mile drive, and it's it's cool. And, and, and I I love the the Arizona's uh, place in Glendale, which is a lot of fun too. But you know, I've seen those crowds, and 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 those those franchises and maybe Carolina too they just they're struggling already to make money and, and they just don't have the fan base like a lot of other teams especially in Canada uh let's talk about you know going into expansion you know i mean obviously the league didn't uh nobody knew that this uh covid pandemic was going to work out but now we are in it and uh, i mean with uh the league expanding to Vegas and now to Seattle, like how is how is that going to kind of work out for the league when we have these teams already struggling in you know um, Sunrise and you know Raleigh and uh, uh, Phoenix, you know, like so where where do we go from here when we you know we're adding what another uh, fifty billion dollar franchise on when we're kind of struggling for money uh just because we can't get fans in the situation uh where do you think we go from there everything's up in the air brother yeah only thing i know is where my first beer is coming from where my next beers is coming from next but uh yeah it, it, it's it 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 is just uh it's so up in the air and and you know you just have to sit back and wait but uh i i just I don't have any answers for you. Well, well, it is really all up in the air. It really is. And, you know, it, it's great that it is great that most fans, you know, still st- stuck together during the uh, during the playoffs and all that. But, well, we'll have to see. So um, I'm going to I'm going to end it with uh, just one more. Like, uh, what do you think about this? This might get a little gnarly, but um, what do you think about this whole cronky uh, uh, kind of uh cable deal do you think it'll get um do you think it'll um get fixed by the by some sort of foreseeable date (laughs) the next interviewed hockey game hopefully gets fixed yeah what do you think uh i don't know if it's gonna get fixed but i i'll just I'll, i'll give you my opinion on the whole thing and it's probably exactly what you guys think is uh i i just as a hockey fan as as a person that that needs to watch these games um it's i i feel for the fan because it's a battle of billionaires Mm -hmm. and and if if you're stan Kroenke and you own uh two two franchises or three if you include the rapids and you start a television a, a regional sports network and you can't uh offer your fans, uh, the opportunity to watch your your teams on your network, then you got to get out of the business. And, and I I just think that 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 Pronky, you no, know, he's worth eight point six billion. Oh, okay, easily. what his 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 deal his deal previously with Comcast and Dish was what it was. Today it's different. I don't. Sit, they they don't think it's worth as much. Okay, then take a hit, whatever you can, but well, make sure your your teams are, are are on TV, and and 
any excuse why he can't do that is just BS. Here, here. Couldn't have said that better myself. Well, damn, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Uh, That was a pretty awesome episode, boys. Uh, Would you guys like to send uh, any shout-outs to anyone? Give a big shout-out to Mike. I really appreciated his insight. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to My Beer Nation. It was nice to crack some brews on this episode and have Mike join us in that endeavor. Yeah, so, he was loving that. You know, <laughs> he was I just want to remind everyone to give them some love. Um, and also just want to give a big thanks to all of our listeners, as always, and appreciate you uh, being with us as we start on to season two. And I'll like to piggyback onto that. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us for season two. And also, yeah, big shout out to Mike. Uh, if you want to, you can join him on Mike Chambers on Twitter or Facebook, or you can do his blog on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, thank you all for everything that you do. Of course, for me, shout out to Mike, My Beer Nation, um, everyone who listens to this. really do appreciate it. And I uh, really hope you guys tune in again soon. See you uh, next couple weeks. Yeah, I think you guys said it all. I mean, thank you guys for uh, listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh, so, Vihorsh. Abiento. Salute. Uh, Vita Zen. See you guys. <laughs>